Hi, I'm Bethany Cox. I go to the Garden City campus. I'm attending Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary right now. Um, I'm in Fusion, which is a nine-month uh, mission training process. And so um, the first semester is full of uh, just intensive training. What we've been doing uh, so far as we had ground school, uh, where that just kind of um, stripped away a lot of our comforts and we uh, got to ask the question over and over again, is Jesus worth it? Is it worth it to learn to be a disciple? Um, and then we just got done with our first transportation training, uh, which we just traveled around Kansas City. We got to share the gospel with people and we got to learn how to use public transportation. We're about to go on our second transportation training, which is uh, we'll be traveling across the United States and we'll be sharing the gospel and the languages we've been studying. And um, then next semester, I will be going overseas with four other girls to West Africa. We um, will be teaching Muslim high school women there um, English, and we will, be, we will be there for four months. So what drew me to Fusion is I just wanted to um, get the right preparation that I was sharing the gospel wherever I am in life and I wanted to learn how to do that and I wanted to learn how to make disciples uh, just in uh, any country or wherever I end up. A couple weeks ago I met this one woman at an apartment complex who had uh, gone to church before and been baptized but uh, she just didn't have like uh, much fruit in her life and she wasn't uh, sure on a lot of things things I asked her about so we went out for coffee um, and we've been meeting once a week uh, and I've started going through the Bible with her um, and so that's just something I've been learning is that um, we're not just sharing this like we're learning to disciple people too uh, so it's not just you go out and say hey believe in this uh, there's a you're making connections with people like real connections Some of y'all at some point today are um, going to get crazy and loud and you're going to cheer for Mahomes however many times hopefully he throws a touchdown pass today. But I'm saying that ought to be our greatest cheer of the day. You understand that? That ought, that ought to be the loudest type of praise that we give on a, on a day like today. There are lots of things that as a church, as Heart of Life, that, that maybe we could do a lot better. I mean, we know that. We're constantly working on how can we improve on this and that. But this is one of those things that I don't mind saying to families who are thinking about planting their lives here. For, for God's reason, what I don't mind telling families is that if you plant your family's life here, and by plant, I mean if you as parents will engage in the mission that God's called us to, if you will give your life toward that, and if you will bring your kids with you in that mission, get them involved in, in a kid's ministry that points them toward that mission, get them involved in a student ministry that points toward that mission. If you will not let your kids dictate where they go, but if you will get them involved in that mission, it is highly likely because it's what we keep seeing. There is an incredible percentage of our next generation who is giving their lives to the mission of following Jesus wherever he calls them across the planet.
I don't know how to fully explain that to you. I can't really just give you a, a, here's why it's happened. I don't know fully why it's happened. I just know that God has chosen to show his favor, and he has poured out his spirit on a next generation in this body. And we got tons of young people like Bethany Cox who are saying, I will follow Jesus to West Africa, and I will tell Muslim young ladies about Jesus through teaching English. I will, I will go where he tells me to go. That is the goodness of God. I got to preaching fast. But it's not hard after that. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's not hard after you, you see a story like that. Let's start with a question today. I'm coming back to that story later, all right? That's my plan. I'm coming back to Bethany's story later. Here, here's the question that I want us to start with today. Why are we here? Why are we here? Now, that's, that's really kind of an interesting question because that could go philosophical. That, it could be kind of the existential type of question, like, is all this random or are we here for a purpose? It could be a philosophical question in the sense of why do we exist, why are we here? But it's not just a philosophical question, it's also a practical question, like why are we here? Like why are we here today, in this place, at this time, doing what we're doing, why are we actually here, okay? So for some of you, you may answer that practical question like you're here because you got a drug problem. Somebody drug you here, right? <laughs> it happens every week. I can tell. Somebody, right, they, they, you lost the bet, something happened, and here you are, all right? Maybe that's why you're here. Maybe you're here because, like, you like the preaching. I mean, probably, Right? I'm just messing with you. Or, or maybe it's, it's more like, if I'm here, maybe God will love me. Or at least maybe if I'm here, he'll, he'll like me more. I'm saying it could be a philosophical question. It could be a practical question. Why are we here? But what I want you to know is I think the answer for both is the same. The answer for both is the same answer. Why are we here? This is the answer, worship. It's why we're here, and it's why we're here. It's worship. It is the God who eternally exists in community, Father, Son, Spirit, from the overflow of his perfect love. He has created us to worship. We were made to worship him. We were designed to worship him. But due to sin's effect in our lives, this is what we learned last week, we are quick to turn to lesser things. But we all worship something. This is what we do. This is what we do. That's the title of this series that we're rolling through, uh, trying to understand a little better what, what is this thing called worship that we're called to. This is what we do. Here's what we learned last week. We all worship, and we all worship all the time. 
Because this is what we do. This is what we're designed for. And we will all eventually become like what we worship. So when we talk about worship, we know we can do that alone, right? That can happen by ourselves, Or it could be together, corporately is the word we often use for that. So it could be personally, it could be corporately. Today, I want to zero in on the together part. Today, I want to zero in on why we are here, right now, this place, this time, corporate worship. And I want to do that by giving you one sentence based on two verses of Scripture and then one application. That's my plan. One sentence based on two verses of Scripture that leads us to one application. So let's start with the sentence. Here's the sentence. Corporate worship is our collective response to the gospel that reshapes our hearts and reorients our lives in the world. Now, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it again because I want us just to start to settle because we're going to come back to this all, all through the, the talk today. Corporate worship, that's this, us together is our collective response to the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried, third day arose, appeared to many, and he is still showing up and speaking in people's lives today a message that it is he is life-changing. That's the good news. So it's our response to the gospel that reshapes our hearts and it reorients our lives in the world. I believe that sentence is the summary statement of what a moment like this together is supposed to be. That is what this is supposed to be. So as we walk through this, we're going to refer back to this sentence, this summary statement several times. The reason the reason I believe this is true, the reason I believe this is accurate is because it's based on two verses from the book of Hebrews. So I want to make it really clear. I am not the authority in defining worship. So my sentence really doesn't mean anything unless it is actually based on the one who created worship, the one who gave us breath to worship. He's the one who gets to define it. So let's be clear, it's not my definition that defines it, it's God's definition that defines it, and that's what we find in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews was a book written to people who were born in Judaism. So that was the system that, that they grew up in. Their lives, we, we would say it was shaped by the Old Testament. Anybody know anything about the Old Testament? You do if you were at Secret Church. Hopefully you know a little more about the Old Testament. Secret Church Friday night, we, we got the, a survey of the entire Old Testament, right? Well, 
these people grew up, their lives shaped by the Old Testament, but then they came to realize that the whole Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. They have now entrusted their lives to him, and their lives now center on Jesus. And so Hebrews is written to that context of people, and this is what I want you to see in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. The fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Now, we're going to hold this for a second. I I think those verses are the bullseye for answering the question for us today, why why are we here? What is this about? What, What is worship? So we're going to start with the first two words, through who? Jesus. Through Jesus, he says. So th- this, is, this is one. Worship is our response. That's what we learn, Scripture. It is, it is our response. And so what we're learning today is worship is our response through Jesus. Okay? It, it is our response through Jesus. It is our response to God for what he has done for us. It is our response to God for who he has shown us that he is. And it happens, this is all through Jesus. This is what pours from us. I think I can explain it this way. Some of you, you have kids now some of you, you can remember what I'm about to describe. Some of you got nieces and nephews, you got grandkids, whatever. You know what it's like when you watch your kids, let's say they are artistic, or maybe they're athletic, or maybe it's those leadership qualities that we see in them. Whatever those strengths that you see in, in your kids when you watch them do those things, isn't there just something cool that happens in you as a parent? There's, I mean, we, we, we can say it's like we're, we're proud of our kids and there's just this, this, like, there's emotion that comes with it. We can admit it. Sometimes we watch them do what they do and we're fighting back the tears, right? And they're looking at us going, Mom, Dad, will you get it together, right? Because they're just doing their thing, and we're crying. We're, we're emotional over. It's just watching them. Do, and I could even describe it this way. This is how severe it can be, right? Remember when they were, like, little, like early grade school, I'm saying at least, and they do, like, the yearly performances or, like, the class play or musical or whatever it might be. Remember what I'm talking about? And you go to that, Right? And you go because you know it's going to be outstanding, outstanding drama and, and music. And I mean, right? You, you go to it because you know that the excellence level of the performance, right? No, you go to those and, and you watch them. You, some of you go early and you, it's like the one place you'll sit in the front 
right? Because you want to see them, and you're taking pictures, and maybe, maybe your kids got a part. Maybe they, like, got one line. Maybe they're, like, dressed as the tree. But when the curtain call happens, you are on your feet, and you are applauding, and woohoo! You, you're, you're hooping it up in there, right? Nobody had to drag that out of you. Nobody had to spur you on toward that. Your heart is moved by seeing them do what they do. Here's my point. It's love. It's responding to the ones that you love. And I'm saying that's a picture of what our worship to God is supposed to be. This response from us of love. And so think about it here. Think about it here. I mean, we get to the end of a song. And we get to the end of that song that, that, that we sing and, and we clap and, and we cheer. Well, that's stretching it. We, we clap sometimes. Now get this. These people, they, they, are, they are great at what they do. You guys are really, um, you may not know this, but you, you're, you're spoiled in the level of musicianship that, that actually tends to stand and sit before you as they play each week. They're great, and we are grateful for them. But listen to me. The applause is not for them. And if they thought it was, they would, they would freak out. The, the applause is not for them. What is the applause? The applause is we are singing the truth of the gospel, some, some aspect of this gospel, this good news. We're singing about Jesus. We're singing about his grace. We're singing about his love, about his mercy. And, and in response to that, it is out of love. Here's what I want to challenge you with today. If we really came here expecting to meet with God, if we really came here expecting Jesus is here, if, if his kids arrived here with the realization of who he is, the, the truth of the matter is sometimes we wouldn't even need music to see a response come from us. We, we wouldn't even have to have it. We wouldn't, we wouldn't need something that, that sometimes it feels like we, to drag a response out of us. I think sometimes, sometimes when we come and we, we do things like sing, we get this perspective. It's like we sing in order to stir this feeling in us. And I'm saying it's supposed to be that we sing because there's already this emotion, there's already this feeling because there's already this love that we know is real with Jesus. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me. We are called to help point that direction. 
We are called to help you know, push us that way, giving our attention, expressing our affection to the one that we were created to worship. Because come on, some weeks you come in here pretty beat up. Some weeks you come in here and it's been tough weeks. You have dealt with some junk and even though you have, you have tried to fight and you, you have tried to, to, to lean into God's word and you have tried to keep praying, there, there are just some weeks that you, you come in here and the world, it feels like, has just worked us over. By the way, that's a part of the reason that God says you and I need this on a regular basis. We need it regularly. But, but sometimes... I'm fearful that we, we can walk out saying, man, I love that song. Man, I, I just, I love the way that the music built in that deal. That, that, was, that was awesome. I, he, her voice was fantastic. His voice, that, that was so powerful. But if we pressed you on what the actual song was, you'd be like, I, I'm trying to remember what those words were. I'm trying to remember what the words were. Right? Sometimes I think there's a possibility that we might could even worship worship. At least what we define as worship. It's like if if we're not careful, I think we could even kind of worship worship. At least the way we define it. Because sometimes if we, if we it's, it's, the, it's the feeling and it's the, it's the emotion and it's all of that together and we go, that, that, that was it. I, worship is the response through Jesus to the one that we are called to bring our affection and our attention to. In this particular text. It doesn't say to Jesus even or for Jesus or in Jesus, although all those things are true. In this particular text, it's through Jesus. That it is through him that we have access to the presence of God. It is, it is through him that we, we, we get to, to be close. The one who created us, he's our father. We have access to him. The way I, I, I would describe it to you is we don't really come through those doors to worship. We come through the door to worship. And that's Jesus. There is a, you heard dad say earlier, if you need prayer, head to the cross. At each of our campuses, there's a cross. Um, There's one like that, similar at Adrian. There's one that hangs up over the the top at, 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 or I'm sorry, there's one like that at Lee Summit. There's one that hangs over the top at Adrian, but there's a cross at each place. Just hopefully a shadow that, that when we walk in here, we are aware of. That cross represents the therefore for us. It's a, it's a therefore. Jesus at the cross took our sin. Jesus at the cross took our shame. Jesus at the cross, he, cross, he took on death. And it, we are told he triumphed over it. 
Therefore, let us offer a sacrifice of praise. It's the therefore for us. Through Jesus, we offer our worship, this collective response. Let's keep rolling. Let's go back to our sentence. Let's go back to our sentence. Corporate worship is our collective response to the gospel. And here's the next part I want you to see. That reshapes our hearts. It reshapes our hearts. Now, first and foremost, we got to get this. We got to know this. Worship is about who? Yeah, it's about Jesus. It's about our God. Worship is about him. First and foremost, it's about him. It's what he made us for. It is to worship him. I, I, I kind of jokingly say this phrase off and on for us to teach us, but I say it this way, hoping that we will not forget it. God is full of himself. Because what else is he going to be full of? What else is greater than him? He wants to be worshipped. He, he is our great God. If we're full of ourselves, that's not a good thing. God full of himself, that's a, that's a, that's a perfect thing. It's a perfect thing. It's about God. But here's what I also want you to know. When we go there with him, there are huge benefits for us. Huge benefits for us. When we do, things happen to us, and one of those things that happens is this reshaping of our heart. Let me show you from Hebrews. Back to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Through Jesus, therefore, I'm just going to read it again and then we'll highlight some words. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. All right? First of all, let's go continually. Continually, he says, we continually offer God this sacrifice of praise. It is the reminder that our praise is not supposed to be just about what happens in this room, but it's our lives. It's our lives. This, this praise that is ever on our lips. And if you listen to a lot of music, that, that ought to like trigger a song for you, right? Your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, your praise. Right, it, just, and it keeps going, keeps going. And it just repeats and it repeats that phrase, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. And it just keeps going and keeps going. And the idea is to remind you that it's supposed to ever, it's like, why do we repeat phrases like that, Jeff? Why do we sing songs and repeat phrases over and over again? Well, I, I think the Bible does that, actually. When you read the Psalms, you will see phrases that are repeated over and over again. It, it, a part of the reason is that it might be pressed down deep in the repetition that it, it is pressed down deep so that when we all leave this room and this week we are all pressed, then what comes out of us will be a response of praise and trust in our God. That's why we repeat it. That's why we repeat the, the songs. That's why we repeat phrases. That's why I repeat sermons to you, right? I, we repeat text. 
We, we repeat key, key things. If, if, again, if you were at Secret Church on Friday night, man, the sovereignty of God in the Old Testament just kept showing up over and over and over again, right? It, why would God repeat those things? Because we kind of struggle with trusting him to be sovereign. We kind of struggle trusting that he's in control. When it comes to evaluating worship for us, how should we evaluate it? Like when we're here. And I'm convinced when we read the scripture, the evaluation ought to be keep Jesus at the center. Keep Jesus at the center. Is Jesus the center of our sermons? Is Jesus the center of our songs? Is he the center of our stories? Is it Jesus? And we engage that gospel story with the intent of stirring worshipers' affections for Jesus. Now, sometimes we get good feedback. We do. We get good feedback about worship, and it's, it's usually always intended to be helpful. But, I mean, you know, in any given week, it can change. Feedback changes from week to week because it just, it just changes. I mean, so sometimes the feedback is, hey, that's too loud. And on the same week, the feedback can be, hey, that's too soft. Same week. Sometimes um, the feedback is that, that I think we should just slow down honestly, and then some feedback is, well, why is this so slow? The feedback is, um, it was too happy, it was too sad, it was too warm, it was too cold, it's too old, it's too new. We all come from different backgrounds, you know? And even if we didn't all come from different backgrounds, even if we all came from the same backgrounds, we'd all have different preferences. We just do. And if we evaluate our worship just by preferences, we, we will run the risk of actually never worshiping. Well, we won't worship the one we were intended to worship. We will end up worshiping us. The number one criterion is to keep Jesus at the center to stir our affection for him. If you want to know how to give helpful feedback to these people, right, these people who lead e each week, you want to give them helpful feedback, here's, here's, here's how you can do that. That stirred my love for Jesus. That's how you can do it. That stirred my love for Jesus, and here's, here's what I sense he's calling me to, and he's reshaping my heart continually. Continually. Let's get another word. It's the word sacrifice. The word sacrifice. Now, the word sacrifice is not one of those words that makes you walk away going, woohoo. No, because sacrifice is a picture of death. Fa sacrifice immediately brings with it words like sounds difficult, sounds costly, sounds painful. And when you put the combo sacrifice of praise, that sounds like kind of a weird combo. Because we think about praise being very, very positive and we think about sacrifice being, being very difficult. That seems like a weird combo. And, and sometimes the truth is there are seasons of our life where praise is not necessarily painful. 
There are some seasons of your life where you are, it just feels like you are cruising, man. Are you, we, we call them mountaintop seasons of our life. It feels like everything's going good. There is blessing. You are grateful. But come on. There are some seasons where praise can be difficult. It feels costly. It is painful in the middle of grieving, in the middle of fear, in the, in the middle of anxiety. But, but we know that in those difficult seasons, we are called to continue to praise in the middle of our loss, a loss of, of home or a job or health or even the life of someone that we love. We, we continue to praise him. Where else are we going to go? Even when we don't understand, who else are we going to trust? And as we do that over and over and over again, what we walk out the other side realizing is, I know God better now. I know him better now. And I trust him more now because what did he do? He's reshaping your heart. Reshaping your heart. I know I keep bringing this up, but it was kind of a big deal this week, Secret Church. Um, we learned a song that was new for us to sing called Jesus is Better. Jesus is Better. There is no other so sure and steady. My hope is held in your hand. When castles crumble and breath is fleeting upon this rock, I will stand. In all my sorrows, Jesus is better. But then I love this line, make my heart believe. In all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. A reshaping of my heart. That's what God says he is doing in this as we walk it out together. Let me give you one more word in this verse. It is the word fruit. It is the word fruit, fruit of lips that openly profess his name. You ready for this? God expects some sound. He expects some noise. And a part of that is to be from our mouths, the lips that praise him. This is not a spectator sport. It's not following Jesus. It's not a spectator sport. It's not something that calls us to silence when we're together, and it's not something that calls us to silence when we leave this place. It is one that involves speaking. So I just want to help you out a little bit today because some of y'all are like, I know, I can't sing. Jeff, I can't sing. And I'm going to say, okay, I'm sorry. But listen to me. You're saying that to the one who just gave you your next breath. Let me say it again. You're saying that to the one who has determined to give you another breath. You're saying that to the one who has given you the ability to speak. 
You're saying that to the one who was careful to clarify in his word that this ain't about perfect pitch. This is about a joy in you, a joyful noise in you. We joke about it all the time in the church. It's a joyful noise. But somehow we we tend to just not believe that because I can't sing. To say I can't sing is to say that worship is about me. Don't get me wrong, I wish you could sing. I wish we all could sing. But he's given us a voice, and he's given us breath. And the truth of the matter is, some of you can't sing, but again, this afternoon at some point, I hope that you will be shouting because a football crossed a goal line. It's like we we have the passion. We, we, We got the voice. And he says, I want there, I want you to sing it out. I want you to sing it out. Now, I, I hope, I hope that every time we come together, there are people who don't yet know Jesus. Right? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, I want everybody to know Jesus. But I'm saying when we come together, I hope there's always people that show up here who do not yet, they have not yet entrusted their lives to Jesus. That means that during the week, you have been dangerous. Those of you who know him, you, you have invited people to be a part of, of moments like this. And I'm saying somebody who doesn't know Jesus, I, I'm, I, I get it. They may not want to sing. I mean, I get it. But if you know him... I mean, if, if you have been forgiven, right, if, if you have been embraced as his child, then we are called to sing. And at times he tells us, sing a new song too. I, I, it is interesting when you, when you study history, especially in the church, and you study the, the spiritual awakenings that happen from time to time throughout history, out of those spiritual awakenings, there is often new, an extra amount of new songs, new music that comes. Why? Because it is a response. When people have an awakening with God, they meet with him. What is the response? It is that pe- people with creative ability, they use that and they write new songs. They, they produce. And so I, I get it. I mean, every once in a while, it's like, Jeff, can't we just get back to our musical roots? And it's like, well, how far back do you want to go? Because the truth is, ain't none of us the root of the tree. We got to go back to some Gregorian chants or something if we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. What we mean is, I just want to go back to what I'm most used to. And again, it's a part of our struggle. It's a part of our struggle trying to, who is, who is this for and how do we That metaphor of fruit, by the way, fruit of lips is connected to the root of our hearts. I think that's why he uses the metaphor. Jesus said, out of the heart, what? The mouth speaks. The fruit of lips is connected to the root of our heart. Your words are a sign as to what's going on in your heart. So the question is, is it praise or is there anger? Is there anger? Because if it's anger, then it's, it's going, hey, this is actually what's going on inside right now. Is it, is it envious words? Is it divisive words? Is it complaining words? Like, it's, it's wild that we could complain about praise, but we can do that. 
We can do that. God's desire is that we continually offer this sacrifice of praise. How do we keep doing that in the middle of the world that is broken, in the middle of a world that attacks it feels like at times? We do that like this. This is how we do that. That's why he says you, you need this regularly. What, what we're doing right now, coming together, let's, let's go back to our sentence for one more phrase. One more phrase. Corporate worship is our collective response to the gospel that reshapes our hearts and reorients our lives in the world. In other words, what we do in here is supposed to connect to what we do out there. What we do in here is supposed to connect to what we do out there. Where do we get that from? Hebrews, again, chapter 13, verse 16. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Do good, share with others. He says it's about your lives. This is the integrity of our worship. The question is, in my life, does it demonstrate mercy? In my life, out there, does it demonstrate this desire for, for justice, for compassion, for reconciliation? Is mine a heart that won't forgive? If so, it's a sign. Is mine a heart of generosity? Like, oh, don't be bringing up that giving thing. I'm telling you, when we talk about worship, you can give and not worship. But you can't worship without giving. Our God so loves that he, that he gave. And I'm saying it's the kind of stuff that God reshapes in our heart. This is the best way I know how to explain it to you. When you, when you, when you see the good news, when you see the gospel, and you hear a story like Bethany's, a young lady saying, God, I'm all in with you. God, I'll go where you tell me to go. God, I, I will get the training and I will step outside my comfort zone. I will go into a dangerous situation if I need to because this is about getting the gospel to people in the planet, across the planet, just like you told us to. Is there not something inside of you that says, that is why I give? That is why I give of my resources to a, a, a church where together we can be a part of those sending stories. What better are we going to do with our resources? That's why we give. I'm saying that's what happens in you when you see the gospel. You want to. You, that, this is the response of our hearts. And if we won't let go, it actually probably shows us what we actually worship. It's what we actually worship. The measure of our worship is the life we live when we leave here. It's the life we live when we leave here. Do good, share with others, 
the ultimate purpose, sharing the gospels. We are shaped to do that when we gather here. So just one more time. One more time, let's read through the sentence. Corporate worship is our collective response to the gospel that reshapes our hearts and it reorients our lives in the world. That's the sentence. But there's actually one more phrase from the scripture that we didn't read yet. And it's kind of like the bonus point. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 16 ends this way. For with such sacrifices, God is what? God is pleased. Some of y'all need to read that because you didn't know God could be pleased. You you got this perspective. Somebody's kind of taught you along the way. Maybe it's because there are other people in your life who never seem to be pleased, and you just kind of transfer that onto God, and it's like, can you ever really please God? Can you ever do enough that God would be pleased? For with such sacrifices, God, he is pleased. Can I tell you that when when we do what we're talking about today, uh, the, the only way I know how to say it is a smile on the face of our God. Remember what it's like to watch your kids do what they're made to do. I think that's a window. That's a window into the heart of God when he watches you do what he made you to do. Take what you feel, take that, that emotion, take that joy, take, take that what, what you know exists in you when you watch that in your kids, and then you multiply that to perfection and know that that's how God sees you. He takes delight in seeing you do what you are made to do. It is to worship. So here's the application. We just got one. One application. I challenge you to be here expectantly. If all that's true that we just read, then then be here expectantly. Live this out with the people of God, heart reshaped, but, but don't just show up here. Be here expectantly. Don't, don't just walk through those doors. But when you find yourself walking through those doors, be thinking about the door. Your heart centered on the door. Who who is Jesus? And it, it is our response to him that will lead us to things like we will sing it out. We will sing it out. Be here expectantly. Now, I promise you, I promise you, promise you, promise you, promise you, promise you a hundred times over, I'm not trying to beat you up. I am simply trying to apply today what applies to this moment, okay? It applies to this moment. But this is what I want to challenge you with, that if you're going to be here expectantly, I I encourage you to, like, be here, like, on time. Be here early even. That'd be crazy. But if we're expecting that something really does happen when God's people come together and he is with us, 
I don't know else how else to tell you this, and I promise, I, I love you, love you, love you, and I'm not trying to beat up on you, but you guys need to know, like when we're trying to plan a, mo- a, t- a time like this together, we can't put like any baptisms at the beginning because half the people won't see it. Sometimes there are days where like we need to give you information. We need to give you information. And, and sometimes it's, it's information that we just would rather not have to do, like in the middle or even at the end. Like when we're done, it's like this isn't the last thing we want to give them, but we need to give them. And we'd love to like sometimes give some of that at the beginning, but if we gave it at the beginning, half the people wouldn't hear it. And I'm not just picking on here. I'm saying it, 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 it's, it, it's just kind of the way sometimes we, we get into, I, I am not saying that sometimes... We don't run late. And so I, I get it. I'm not, I'm not beating you up for that. If it, every time, once in a while something happens and you're late, come on in. It's okay. If that's what you hear me saying, you're missing the point. But I'm saying if we're going to be here expectantly, then come on. Let's be here. Let's be here. Come, come early and expect that you're going to meet some people that God has designed for you to meet them. He's designed for you to speak to them. Maybe, maybe. It's you who's going to be the encouraging factor for them. Maybe they are going to be the encouraging factor for you. I'm saying, but maybe within this people, within this body, there are some things that God wants to do through you. Get here. Come on in. I mean, one week we even give you breakfast. And can I tell you that on breakfast day, the temperature in this room, when by the time we get to time to sing, it's different on that day. It's different on that day because there's something about God's people being ready. There's something different about that being together. There's something remarkable about that. I'm going to challenge you with something else. Write it down. Write it down. In other words, do you expect when you come here that God's going to speak? And if you do, and if he does, do you think that's worth remembering? Then I would challenge you to write it down. I would. I'm not talking about taking all the notes on my sermon. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about writing down the things that God says to you during this time together. Write it down. Now, isn't it true that sometimes it happens where you you leave here and you go like Monday, Tuesday, uh, by Wednesday, you don't remember the stuff even that we talked about. I don't even remember the stuff we talked about if I don't write it down. We don't. And I'm being optimistic on Wednesday. I'm hoping you remember it by Tuesday. It's just we don't. Here's what happens. We, we meet somebody, somebody you work with, somebody, and they're going through a hurt. They're going through something difficult, and you're like, we talked about that, but I can't, I can't remember what it was. R- write it down. Write something down. If God speaks to you, it, it, it's, it could be a song. It could be something in that song, and God says something to you. Hey, I want you to, to, to pay attention to this person this week. I want you to call this person. I, I want you to pray for this person. Or, or, hey, here's what I'm speaking into your situation. Write it down. Be expectant that God is speaking in this time together. And then I just, I encourage you, it's okay, soak it up in the sense of when, this, when these moments are over, I don't want it to just be that you only remember whatever the funniest story was, that you only remember 
you know, whatever the song that you liked the most was, that you only remember, hey, that video was slick. No, what I want you to ask is how did that song and how did that story and how did that video, how did God speak? Do you expect him to say something, a song, a story, a scripture? If it's scripture, he's talking. And what should I do because of what I've heard? God is pleased. So how about, like, we recognize God is pleased when we worship. So let's worship. Because, I mean, what else are we going to give our lives to? Who else are we going to follow? Who, what, what else really deserves our praise? Who else is better? I've got five minutes to convince you of one thing. Altogether, it's 13 letters, three words, and one complete sentence. And I hope you never forget it. In fact, I hope it haunts you. I hope you always remember these 13 letters, these three words, and this one complete sentence. Jesus is better. You say, better than what? I say, better than everything else. He's better than any passing dream you might be chasing after. He's better than any worldly ambition that may have captured your devotion. He's better than anything that could distract you from doing what you were created to do. Jesus is better. He's better than a six-figure salary. He's better than a three-story home. He's better than a trophy wife, a job promotion, and a Caribbean cruise. Jesus is better. He's better than a starting position on the football team. He's better than a lead role in the spring musical. He's better than a 4.0 GPA, a college scholarship, and a nomination to homecoming court. Jesus is better. He's better than money, cars, clothes, sex, entertainment, achievement, and popularity. He's better than anything this world can offer you. Jesus is better. He's better than any person that has ever walked this earth. He's wiser than Gandhi and smarter than Einstein. He's more holy than Muhammad and more spiritual than Buddha. He's more eloquent than Shakespeare and more creative than Mozart. He's more powerful than Napoleon and more compassionate than Mother Teresa. Jesus is better. The Bible says he's better than Adam, better than Abraham, better than Moses, David, and Mary. He's better than the angels, better than the demons, better than any prophet, priest, or saint. Jesus is better. And there will be times when it's hard to believe. Times when it doesn't feel like Jesus is better. The world will hate you, your flesh will fight you, and the devil will lie to you. Storms will come. You're going to face disappointment, deception, betrayal, rejection, regret, sickness, and death. You're going to feel tired, empty, brokenhearted, scared, and alone. Don't forget in the darkness what you learned in the light. Jesus is better. 
cost you. You're gonna deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow him. You're gonna help the poor, swallow your pride and love your enemies. You're gonna read your Bible when you'd rather watch TV. You're gonna pray when you'd rather sleep. You're gonna serve when you'd rather be served. And you're gonna speak up when you'd rather be silent. But when it's all said and done, you won't regret it. You'll say, it was worth it. Jesus is better. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Jesus is better. So my hope for you isn't that you're safe, successful, and well-liked. Sometimes those are the very things that get in the way of you learning the one thing you can't afford to ignore. is better.